Light and Light Bulb Moments. It's episode four. Woo! I'm Alice and I'm a journalist. And I'm Rhiannon and I work in tech. Now, you might be in the hustle bustle of the middle of your week, but it's time to take a break. We're your hump day pick-me-up, your boost to climb the like literal, proverbial, whatever kind of metaphorical hill of your week. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so let's just start off. How are you feeling, Rhiannon? Do you feel that midweek lull today? Yeah, I feel all right. Like obviously this week's been a bit different. We've got the news um, about lockdown. It will actually be last week by the time this goes out. And obviously you can feel things like clamping down a bit. Yeah, it kind of does. If I think for a lot of people, they're like, oh, we're exactly where we were in March. But I don't know. There might be some people that are feeling the same way. But I'm, I'm really trying to see the positives this time round. We've got the changing of the season. We've got um, sort of like that crisp autumn air. Mm. Um, leaves are falling off the trees. Crunchy little leaves. Crunchy little leaves. <laughs> um, nice tasty coffees. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited to kind of uh, hibernate a little bit. <laughs> see well, the positive yeah i'm gonna put i'm gonna rain on your parade a little bit here i'm gonna i'm gonna put a bit of a negative spin a negative nancy on your um on your positivity but yeah not to put a negative spin on it but like i have had a bit of feedback about the podcast oh. <laughs> um from my sister seems a bit premature episode four <laughs> yeah. i'm ready for that so my sister said um i i she didn't she didn't say this about you but she said i sounded a bit um gcse drama yeah GCSE drama yeah she also mentioned I think this is more of a niche reference but she said it sounded like I was auditioning as part of a stage school for Annie the Musical (laughs) (laughs) which I'm not sure like what a niche insult (laughs) (laughs) anyway but we have got some really cool stuff to talk about so I'm hoping the content will carry me through no I think the content is less amateur than your potential delivery (laughs) (laughs) as commented by Lowry (laughs) but anyway Enough about my insults from my sister. Let's let's jump into the real deal of the pod. Yes. So learning about innovation, we believe, has so many benefits. Not only does this inspire us to think more creatively, but it's also a great way to be on the ball of life-changing ideas. We're bringing you the information to stay ahead of the game without the hassle of researching for hours on end. And we do search for hours on it but yeah so here we are through the good times the harder times to accompany you in your break grab a coffee get comfy it's time to think positively about something completely different we're here to bring you a burst of energy and creative ideas anyone can think innovatively we're here to show you the great ideas to watch out for and point out the people who are breaking boundaries i really find that hearing about bright ideas not only gives me hope that I can do things almost like a confidence thing but it also spurs me on in other aspects of life to be more creative about the things I can do explore new tech to use but also I find that like I start talking about it more and then because it opens up a conversation that kind of leads to more ideas and you bounce things off people so I think I hope that people find that when they listen to this as well so we've handpicked a selection of innovation for you and this is what you need to know about so we rifle through hundreds of ideas and then we pick the ones that make us go whoa (laughs) so here it is episode four first up we've got insight in the spotlight a fabulous feature this is where we speak to someone who is a change maker a trailblazer in what they do 
We speak to them, they're smashing it, they're inspiring us, and basically, we hope that they inspire you too. This week, we're going for a slightly different angle. We want to speak to you about the opportunities of being on a board. Someone who's absolutely acing this space is Mariam. Yeah, Mariam's a huge advocate for being on a board, particularly if you can offer fresh perspectives and new ideas. And actually, the benefits for you as someone going to be on the board are huge. And then also by bringing those new perspectives to the company, the impact you can have on them is also massive. So Mariam believes in diverse boards and encouraging women and people from minority backgrounds to take the plunge and make a change by being on a board. We were unbelievably fortunate to speak to Mariam. It was like such an amazing opportunity. So let's take it away with our chat to her. Who am I? I am Mariam Crichton. I've been in uh, digital leadership in fast-growing tech uh, startups for the last 20 years. I've had such varied roles on boards. I've been uh, in part of the executive senior management team that just reports to a board. I've been a company house director on a board. I've been as part of informal advisory board member. I've been a non-executive director on a board. Um, And I've been both management and a board member. Um, So I've played different roles on boards women on boards i'm very very enthusiastic about and i'd like to encourage as many people from diverse backgrounds to be on boards boards in the digital technology sector are dominated by senior white males and the issue with that can be for certain organizations that what your solutions are aimed at, the markets you're aimed at, the personas and the thinking is not there at board level. For example, you might be um, a technology company for a consumer app for purchasing and buying things when most of the people that do a lot of purchasing at home are mothers. And if you don't have a female at that level on the board, um, The solutions can go wrong. You might be governing a company where half the company happen to be women and women's needs are not taken care of within the workplace. Uh, Policies for flexible working might not be there to enable mothers to work. And without, and it's not done on, it's never done on purpose. It's just simply, it would never pop into, to um, the traditional board member's head. And what I find is um, these boards are craving for diversity in thought and people that think creatively different. What benefits have you found personally from being a board member? And why would you recommend this as something that others could gain benefits from doing too? Well, first of all, um, some of the boards I've been on a completely voluntary basis. And that's because I really care about what the organisation is doing. And I'd like to contribute to, for example, social impact and of um, particularly girls being safer on the streets in London. Or with Wise Sussex, I really care about growing um, our tech cluster in the southeast region passionately um, to help my community. And with the more um, business boards I've been on, what benefits? Well, when you're in a, on the board of an organisation, it comes with 
power and influence. And that's important because um, I like to know that, that governance of an organisation is done with integrity. So that gives me a great sense of peace and also my the way I think and approach things um, is very different often to, I'm quite frankly often in very um, alpha male dominated sector of tech startups. So to, to, to have a voice that is different and has a, a different approach um, with the qualities that I bring as being a female is really important to bring balance to an organisation and to make sure that, um, for example, I care about um, the well-being of staff and I care, care about building an inclusive company. So there's um, influence in how a company is run. Yes, it does build you a profile in when you are networking. There's a certain amount of credibility that comes when you have board positions and are known to be a board member. And yes, it often, for example, to be a non-exec, you normally, it says you must have been a non-exec before. So um, having a board position allows you to have further board positions. And um, quite often, you know, I just love strategic thinking so to be, when you get to board level, you know, you're just usually in a room full of super smart, capable, strategic thinkers. And I feel like um, the creativity that can happen in a board is, is it's like magic, actually. So I, I really enjoy being around top level um, directors. Now, everyone has their own things in life to balance, whether you're looking for work, studying, working or juggling other commitments like childcare or care of others. So I wondered, how do you find balancing between being on boards with your other commitments? And what are the time commitments associated with being on a board? Work-life balance is um, huge to me. I have a nine-year-old daughter and... Um, and I sort of split childcare with her dad and myself. So I'm a, when I'm with her, I'm alone. Um, and I do sit on now three boards, in addition, all above and beyond, actually, my, my day job. So, yeah, how do you fit it in? So that's interesting because um, sometimes um, a lot of the board meetings I have in London for Safe and City, will, I will... Um, determine when they are in advance and do them in school holidays so I actually often believe it or not take my daughter to to say from the city board meetings and she's often cartwheeling in the background while I'm doing board meetings for a couple of hours and a lot of my family are based there so I'm able to when I do family visits school holiday visits uh, time them that way that's quite unique um, there is some prep for board you do have to read board reports um, and they might be sent within a week beforehand, but they're not onerous and they're usually the same format. And then a lot of it is just performing in the meeting and then there are actions afterwards. But um, if it's all my voluntary boards I sit on and it's optional what I get involved in, how deeply I get involved in with an organisation. So I manage that at my own capacity. And if it's my actual day job, well, it depends on your role. So I'm managing director now so I might have quite a lot of actions that relate to it but um, I don't think actually that being on a board um, hugely impacts your your um, commitment in terms of time 
uh, compared to other activities that you might do. So I would not worry about time commitment for boards. And you normally get them almost a year in advance, your meetings, so you can arrange a lot around them. And of course, in coronavirus times, um, they're done remotely. So you can even be on a holiday, then dial in for a couple of hours. Finally, for anyone who's listening and thinking, like me, wow, what a great thing to do for both the personal benefits that you gain and also for your career development. How can people get involved themselves? And can you pinpoint one small, easy action that people can do as a next step to take them one step further to being on a board? Well, I guess people probably think the only route to being on a board is um, your day job as an organisation and there is a board somewhere at the top and that's the only route to being on a board. But what I would do is, um, board experience is board experience really. Um, They've often got the same um, governance and rules and a way of working. So I would recommend being on, uh, volunteering to be on boards in um, the voluntary sector for charities or for for actual commercial businesses who want informal advisors. So, so you could be on a board, not as a registered company director, but an informal board advisor. I'd also encourage you to look at, there are websites out there that exist that um, you can seek uh, board positions and you can create yourself a profile um, uh, and then get alerts on uh, b- the kind of board positions you're interested in. That's my tip. Wow, that was that was so great to hear from Mariam. Yeah, she's brilliant and like what she's done with it is so cool and like the fact that you can see the position she's in now and like how her experience has informed it and, and actually created so many opportunities is really cool it's given me a bit of a kick it's something I've been wanting to do for a while and I do think I I need to I need to do this ASAP um but yeah just to tell people a little bit about kind of how to follow this up how can you action it so there's paid websites that show board position vacancies but you can also find them for free just by searching the specific charity or company that you're looking for and you can see the board vacancies directly on their website for example the charity Copperfield which is a breast cancer Um, awareness charity they're currently recruiting for a member of their change advisory group and we'll put more information on our instagram so definitely check it out but you can reach out to them and and see whether they've got a vacancy that you can follow up or you can also reach out to charities directly so the copperfield one yeah they're advertising but you can also just message people and see whether they've got a position Um, some companies that are much smaller probably won't advertise them in the same way that bigger ones do Um, And then also the usual sites, Indeed, LinkedIn, even the Guardian list, board vacancies. So another great resource for women is womenonboards.net. You can sign up for free and there are also paid packages. So even as a free member, you get access to their newsletter, alerts, and you're always notified about events or workshops which are coming up. You can even choose a board that has the time commitments to suit you. These do vary. So... You can choose ones the way you meet up quarterly, twice a year, and you have like different assignments that you need to do. Um, And a great thing about being on a board is that you can network, learn new skills, be part of how board meetings are run, which I think would be really interesting. And also you can have a say in the strategy of a company and how it's shaped. 
absolutely you don't need specific experience and once you actually have board experience it's much easier to go on from there and to be on others and the roles vary so some encompass a lot of skills um, and some you might want to specialise in something like, for instance, social media, tech, finance, the list goes on. Yeah, I kind of like that about marrying. Like, it sounds like the, the struggle to get in might be a bit hard, but then once you're in, you kind of, it's much easier to then move around from different board More positions. So maybe that's something good, like be prepared for maybe a bit of rejection initially, but then once you're in, you've, you know, you've got that foot in the door sort of thing. Um, but yeah, but you could choose something of an in- industry that you're interested in, whether it's a charity, a startup or a bigger business. Um, and also it's available for people of all levels. So if you're a uni student or at any point in your career, there's always an opportunity on a board for you. Because like, like we said before, it's all about that perspective. And really, it's just a great way, like if you're starting out or you're looking to progress into leadership roles, the skills you get just are invaluable. You just never know where it might take you. So for Mariam, it actually highlighted a whole new world of opportunity. And it seems like something that could definitely open doors to anyone. Um, You can balance it in a way that suits you and your lifestyle. So definitely just check out this whole area. Now, let's not beat around the bush. The impact of the pandemic continues to be felt by everybody. We're constantly bombarded with data, but... What about the real people who are living through this? We've been comforted and even inspired by hearing about people who've been making and creating during this time. So we've formed this section, Postcards from the Pandemic, as a little beacon of hope amongst all the sadness and changes. We get to hear from someone who's doing something absolutely just, well, mind-blowing and just really game-changing during the pandemic pandemic, just it's amazing though like I like this section because you know at this time it's hard isn't it to then find more inspiration but I think what we're highlighting here is that people are using it to like pursue kind of interests that they never had the time to do before and actually creating really cool things so this week we heard from Nathan co-founder of my emissions so think about it how do you actually know what impact you're having on the environment? Oh, so true. And is there even a way to figure out how, what, where, when, <laughs> what you even need to do in order to reduce your carbon footprint? And if you think about your day-to-day kind of life habits, the breakfast you eat, the routine cups of teas, your go-to snacks, how would you even fathom the impact that you're having? Like when you have that bowl of brown flakes in the morning, that's my go-to breakfast. How do you know how much impact that bowl of, bowl of brown flakes is actually having? It's quite deep. Quite dull yeah. as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like quite profound. Yeah, well. Um, anyway, but let's get stuck in. And Alice, do you want to take it away and read this week's postcard? As I was finishing packing my travel bag, my phone buzzed with the notification I'd been dreading. My first destination, New Zealand, had shut their borders to visitors. Within 48 hours, my travel plans were cancelled which suddenly left me at home indefinitely, with no plans whatsoever. I felt lost for a while, until I visited the virtual pub on Zoom with my recently furloughed friend Matt. We both wanted to live a more sustainable lifestyle, but we struggled to quantify the environmental impacts of our actions. After talking with friends, we realised this is a common problem, and that due to the lack of accessible data, 
everyone is blind to what changes would actually make a difference. In the first month, we researched academic papers and built a database with over 400 food products. I learned some web development and was able to make this data immediately available through a daily food emissions calculator, published for free on our website. We've realised that to get our values seen by more people, it's important to integrate into existing products and services that people already use. Taking inspiration from nutritional information, we therefore developed the first environmental labels for food websites, allowing them to display the average emissions from their recipes. This will educate users about the climate impact of the food that they eat. We hope to create more projects in the future, all with the aim of making environmental impact data more accessible and transparent. Thank you so much, Nathan, for your postcard. Wow, what a useful product. It's, I, I don't know, just so logical. It's, it's brilliant. You can really see like a scenario when you would actually gain benefit from using this. And I think as a consumer of the product, that is so key. I actually use this to calculate the emissions for my egg and soldiers, which I had for lunch. I've had it four days this week. The, and it, actually, the eggs alone were 17.8% of my fair daily food emissions. And it actually kind of made me think and I think that's that's the key to this it makes you think and then helps you make better informed and sustainably conscious decisions when you're thinking about what you're eating yeah so just going back to kind of what we said at the beginning about the bombardment of data this is data for good um, yeah and and it's it's something that isn't going to it's it's so tangible um, and it's so relevant to our everyday lives. It, it's not, it's not overwhelming. It's not, it's, it's, you yeah. can just incorporate it so easily. It almost gives us more clarity rather than that, like, ugh, overwhelmness. Yeah. So I, I love it. And I think the fact that Nathan did this, and obviously like such a curveball from going to New Zealand um, and the plans to travel, like, it's amazing. You definitely need to check it out. If you want to find out more about how they make the calculation the method behind this, um, you need to visit their website on the myemissions.green website. It links you to all of the relevant sources and you can also read more about the environmental labels that, um, like Nathan mentioned, that you can use for recipes. There's really so much on there. They're also building up a library of blogs. So one in particular was three best ways to reduce the carbon footprint of your diet. Some points that I took away from that was one, eat less high emission foods which is obviously an obvious one uh two eat seasonally um which very easy to do at the moment with mm. all the sort of uh root vegetables yeah mm. um and three avoid air transported foods nathan and his co-founder are so brilliant um and they basically created a platform that could revolutionize the way we think about eating sustainably it's time for innovation and creation, the point in the podcast where we bring you the piece de resistance in the industry. And rather than my, quite frankly, embarrassing sound effects from the last few episodes, we found ourselves a proper intro to bring you into this section. Yeah, I like that. It's less GCSE drama. Uh, this week, <laughs> this week <Another> we're <laughs> this week we're excited to talk to you about Magway. This is a game-changing sustainable goods and parcel transport infrastructure. This is all about pipes. 
Magway utilises existing pipe technology with the latest innovation in magnetic motors. Which is really cool. Like, so it basically sends little pods. They look like mi mini trains or like, I don't know, plastic cr crates. Like you, you have to Google them to see them, to know what I mean. But they, they basically travel these pods beneath and above on um, the ground on pipe networks. And you can see exactly what I mean, like I said, if you search them online. So these parcels you've ordered on your online grocery deliveries will all come to you via pipes. And this brings the potential to revolutionise the goods delivery system, which is currently primarily reliant, as we all know, on cars and vans, and therefore massively environmentally damaging. What's really interesting about Magway is the extent to their impact. I'll leave this juicy bit to Rhiannon. So through this clever engineering, Magway aims to bring a significant environmental benefit with the key aim to decrease air pollution. A subsidiary benefit of this is that like the impact on the roads could be huge. It could reduce not only accident numbers, uh, lead to a drop in traffic, um, but also basically make, mean the roads are overall less congested while still keeping us customers happy and delivering thousands of goods to homes and businesses across the UK. Yeah, I love how this works. So rather than retailers paying for the infrastructure, they pay for the capacity on the system that they use. Co-founder Phil Davis phrases it really nicely, and I love this. He says, basically, they pay for a ticket on the bus rather than for the bus itself. Boom. And let's be honest, the demand for online goods is only going to like continue to increase. Where will you first see this? The first commercial use will be delivery of goods to airports such as Heathrow. We in the UK are the first country in the world legally committed to zero emissions by 2050. So, could Magway be the future of the courier service? Right, now it's time for Note to Self, the section of the podcast where we talk to you about something manageable and quick that you can action and benefit from really easily. This week's Note to Self is all about unconscious bias, and this is a topic that I've actually talked about at um, some conferences uh, in London and Amsterdam. Jet setter. Hey. <laughs> I know, I don't know why I said Amsterdam as well. Amsterdam. <laughs> um, and I've spoken about it in my workplace. It is something I've put quite a lot of research and effort into. On that note, I'll kick it off. Um, I first started thinking about my own unconscious bias when, it's really weird saying it now, um, don't judge me, but I would always say to people, like, when they were talking about their manager, I'd say, what is his name? Because I knew consciously their manager might not be male. But yet I kept making this assumption and that got me thinking about my own unconscious bias. Have you ever heard anything like that, Alice? Well, I think you've obviously, you've kind of talked quite at length about this before. Um, and when you kind of highlighted it to me, I've definitely, I've definitely done that example, but I hadn't even registered it mm. in my brain. I've definitely done that at work, which yeah. is tragic really yeah when you've yeah. done it you're like oh, i can't believe it yeah. but and like a really nice example of how your unconscious work works is thinking about first of all there's like images where you can google like brick wall and like with cigar and basically it looks like a brick wall when you look at it you think it's like a brick wall or a stone or a snake or something and actually it's a brick wall with a cigar sticking out of it and once you see the cigar you can't unsee it but when you're actually looking and you're like asking people like oh what can you see in that picture you really struggle to see anything more than a brick or a snake or whatever your brain tells tells you and what this means is you can rewire your brain so you couldn't see that 
cigar in the brick wall before, but then when it's pointed out to you, you can't unsee it. And although that doesn't show bias, it does show how your brain works, how you make snap judgments, you fill in the gaps. We are constantly processing so much information that we have to make shortcuts. And the image is a really nice way of showing that without kind of complicating it with bias. It just shows how the brain works. And also, actually, it kind of shows that how um, quickly um, unconscious bias could actually be unraveled, mm. if, if, you th- if you think about it like that, that the brain can adapt, the brain can adapt quite readily. Yeah, like if you make these thoughts conscious, which we'll get into in a minute, then you, you can be a lot more aware of it. Another example is if you say the word champagne, or and you think of an association, or you think of party, like if you say the word party, you might think of champagne. If you say the word football, you might think of beer. I don't know, something else. But these associations, they're unique to everyone. But that's your snub, snap judgment about your brain. So if you're listening right now, maybe have a think of like, cat, what do you think of? It doesn't show bias, but it just shows how quickly your brain works and how you have like a, a locker of, of associations in your unconscious and you're constantly using that to inform the decisions that you make every day one point that actually a lot of people do tend to make is what or, or have raised um is what if your bias is based on facts yeah and this this is a fair question because basically our, our biases are based on facts they are based on the like upbringing that we have our environment our previous experiences the kind of culture that we're in so to an extent our biases are based on what we see which can be facts Um, a nice example of this is like young male drivers and assuming that they're going to be dangerous now if you assume that and you think that about like young teenage boy drivers then that is a form of unconscious bias. But the point where unconscious bias is damaging is if that prevents someone from getting an opportunity. So in that situation, you thinking it isn't stopping them from buying a car or, you know, like going to university. It's not stopping them from doing anything. And that's that's the key thing about unconscious bias. It's being aware of it when it matters. Absolutely. So, yeah, so when it actually matters are things like a hiring process, isn't it? Yeah, or if someone's getting an opportunity or a promotion at work. Um, that's when it matters because it's actually making a difference to that person's life and the opportunities that they get. Um, and I just want to like kind of, I don't know, provide a bit of context because I don't know, I find this really cool, but our brain processes so much information and about 95 to 99% of it is processed by the unconscious, which just shows how like, I don't know, my I can't think of the word, like, stupendous the amount of information that we're having to take in it's 95 to 99 percent of like the information we're taking in is through our unconscious so obviously we're going to need these shortcuts to like actually make some sense of it i'm really glad that you raised the point about shortcuts we have this thing called an in-group from what i've read so imagine your top few closest friends what age are they what gender race sexuality do they have a disability Imagine that group for just a second. The reality is that none of us can have completely diverse in-groups, but knowing about our in-group is so important. The reason is that we trust our in-group and we use this to inform the opportunities we give to other people. So we assess whether people are like us or 
like people in our group, which means that our unconscious bias can have a negative impact because in, in this example of the hiring process, it directly impacts the opportunities of others. And there are some shocking facts about this. Yeah, and some of these facts are truly shocking. So like 90% of Westerners associate negative concepts with the term elderly. 75% of men and women more readily associate women with the term family rather than career. Finally, 9 out of 10 people with mental health problems say that stigma and bias negatively affect their lives. And actually one more, research tells us that white men are promoted based on the potential and women are primarily promoted, sorry, women, particularly women of colour, are promoted based on achievement. I don't know, it just feels so archaic and it just doesn't feel like it aligns with how most people feel, but obviously Mm. the facts speak for themselves, don't they? And also, with things like the one with the association with family, like for women, rather than career, it's it's kind of like, even if at the moment there are more women that take the role of looking after the family than, than than like being full-time in their career, even if that is true... It shouldn't negatively impact the women who those women who are pursuing their careers. You know, it, it's basically it's kind of links to the point before. It's when those facts then mean that your associations with a woman at work are reflective of like the societal norms at that time. So to round up, if you head to the Harvard University Project Implicit Test, a simple search of this on your web browser will direct you to this test um, and you can learn all about your own unconscious bias and I urge everybody to give it a go. Yeah, because knowing about your unconscious bias is one step towards mitigating the impact of it. Love that. So to finish up, as always, we want to thank you all for listening. Some people have been writing in on Instagram already, um, which is unbelievable because we're only on episode four. Um, and lots of people were definitely loving the seaweed feature, which was in episode two, um, which has just been really nice to hear. Basically, we love talking about this. I hope that you can tell. Um, and we've got some real treats in store for our final episode. So don't forget to share and subscribe. We're on Instagram and Twitter at lightbulb.moments.pop. Tell your friends, tell everyone, let's spread love.